This is the third week of Advent. And I haven't been like following the Advent thing, but it, it is in fact for the church for the last 1800 years, the third week of Advent. And whether or not you're observing the Advent season or not, um, there's a great lesson to be learned in the message for this week, which, which is joy, which is what the, the contemporary church will celebrate as joy. Um, and this week, before we get into joy, I want to go to Romans and do a, a, a study of just two simple verses. So it's probably rare that somebody would go to Romans 15 to talk about joy, but I think you'll find that there's a short prayer in there by Paul that is really um, important for us to learn a little bit about joy and how it ties into the Advent season. So if you do have your Bible or your phone, go to Romans 15, and, I, and I'll tell you where we are in just a minute. But Romans 15 really is a study in self-denial, right? As you know, as believers, a lot of what we do, this focus on our lives should be about putting ourselves aside to be more like Christ, putting ourselves aside to serve others, putting ourselves aside to lift up the people in our lives, putting ourselves aside for the church. So self-denial. If, if you know who Jesus is, you know that Christ is the one who is the ultimate example of putting himself aside, right? And it's a foreign concept to most people today, putting themselves aside. Um, the, the idea of completely putting others before self is very difficult. And even when we try to do that sometimes, it seems like there can be some sort of selfish motive to it, right? Like we try to do things just to do good things and it can be tough. But often when we put others first, there's still a motive that makes us feel better as a person um, that tends to rise up, right? And the reality of doing work of a good servant because we love Christ becomes less evident. So that's what Romans 15 is about, is really the perspective of self-denial, putting others first. And Paul really emphasizes self-denial in Romans 15 and serving others as a means of glorifying God. And he makes the juxtaposition of our self-denial to Christ being the one who's the ultimate servant, okay? So how does that relate to joy? This being the week that everybody talks about joy. How self-denial, how do we tie that? that kind of into the, to the message and the, and really the good news of the coming of our Lord that we celebrate during the Christmas season, which is what we're all celebrating, of course. Well, if you read Romans 15, you'll see that Paul will show that Jesus Christ is coming for us as the pinnacle of the message. And it's kind of right in the middle and we'll get into that. It's the pinnacle of putting others first. That's why Christ came. He lowers himself even below all of humanity, putting others, putting himself aside, denying himself, pouring himself out. Okay? So, while making a number of references to the Old Testament, Paul recounts the promises made to the early church fathers. He, he'll, he'll do some references from Samuel, even some from Deuteronomy. He'll even get into the Psalms. And right before a short prayer for believers, Paul references the prophet Isaiah. Okay, And in that reference to Isaiah, he specifically references the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me, if you will, Romans 15. We'll read verse 12 and we'll read verse 13, and that'll be it for tonight. Those two simple verses. <clears throat> Paul writes this, starting at verse 12, he says, And again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. 
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the root of Jesse, this could be foreign to you if you've never heard it before. So it goes without saying we should find out who is this Jesse. As we learn from Samuel, Jesse was a loyal servant to King Saul. The king that replaced Saul was David, right? So King David, the famous Jewish king. Jesse is David's father. Okay, so very interesting guy, loyal servant to the king. His young son, the shepherd boy, is the one who becomes the great King David, who we read so much about. And of course, Jesus is the what we call the son of David. He sits on David's throne. Now, Jesse, interestingly, the name in Hebrew can be translated two ways, one of which is not so interesting, and one is kind of neat. The first way is it's translated as, I possess, which doesn't mean very much. But the other way that it's translated is, God exists. So the guy who is the father of the great king, David, who is the father of Jesus Christ's name is translated as God exists. So Jesus Christ is the root of Jesse. This is the one who comes in whom we find our joy. Jesus is the one who comes to rule over the Gentiles. And in Jesus, we have hope. Paul's short prayer in verse 13 is for us to realize that our hope and our joy are gifts from him. So as we read that verse 13, it says, may, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And when Chad delivered last week's message that he brought, you discussed in that study that peace is a gift from God. It's not something that you get of your own accord, right? And, <clears throat> and you can see that when we search for peace in our own lives, trying to kind of doing it your own way, it never really seems to work out. Peace is never works. Look at the world today. How many peace treaties have been signed between peoples and countries for the last number of thousands of years? And how many of them have worked? None of them. The world is in turmoil in the place where more peace treaties have been signed than any other place in the world, which is between Israel and its neighbors. There is still outstanding strife to this day over thousands of years. We're always left wanting when we search for peace and run. But when we seek Jesus Christ, we find our peace. Through our studies in the Word of God, love and service to our family, our church, and our community are ways that we also find our peace. But in this prayer, specifically that Paul gives in Romans 15, we see the same thing. Paul prays that God, specifically the God of hope, will fill us with joy and peace in believing. So since we covered peace last week, we won't get into God's peace so much this week, but we're going to focus just for a minute on joy, okay? So what is it? What is joy? Well, it's an emotion. It's a feeling we get when we realize our position in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to admit something here that I've been wrong about in the past, and I've given counsel to believers, and I've been absolutely incorrect about the translation of the word joy or joyful or joyous. And here's how. There has been this misnomer and this misinterpolation that joy and happiness are two different things. So what somebody in your circle might say is, well, I'm just not happy. And so a good Bible counselor might say, but you don't need to be happy. Jesus doesn't want you to be happy. 
He wants you to be joyful. And there's a difference. Joy is a realization of your hope. It's a gift from God. And so happiness is not what you're called to, but it's simply not true. And here's how we know it's not true. Because if you dig into the Greek language and then the context of how joy, joyful, or joyousness are used in the New Testament, they all basically mean happy. <laughs> they mean some sort of emotion. So giving that counsel, I've been wrong in the past, but I understand what people are trying to say when they give counsel because there is definitely a perspective to this. When in your life you deal with things and they, you're just not joyful, you're just not happy, you're just not pleased, just not satisfied, is the focus on what Christ did for you should bring you joy. But you know what? You might not feel some overwhelming feeling of happiness, of just knowing you're saved just isn't cutting the mustard, if you will, right? So the Bible does not really separate joy from happiness as a feeling, but instead what Paul is praying for here is that we really do get filled with a feeling of joy. We get filled with a feeling of happiness. And I want to show you where this is really quick. Jesus gives us insight into this feeling of joy in John 16 in his own words. And while he's teaching his disciples about him leaving, right? Christ is going to be killed. He's going to be hung on the cross. He's going to die. He is going to ascend. He will leave them. And he actually, in this message, talks about how the world is going to kind of be happy about it. Like, ah, we got rid of Jesus. But the disciples are going to be filled with sorrow. But then Jesus is going to come back to rule and to reign. And what will they be filled with? Joy. Joy. They're going to be happy. They're going to see Jesus. In 1620, John 1620 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will cry and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned to joy so you're going to be happy that jesus came back and the example that he uses and this just kind of drives the nail into it to drive it home is of a woman giving birth and this is what he says in the subsequent verse he says whenever a woman is in labor she has sorrow because her hour has come now we know this from reading the creation story that labor and the delivery process of women is part of the curse right the 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 pain of dealing with nine months of carrying a child the back pain the the, the hormonal shifts and then the day that the baby, all of that stuff is part of, it's supposed to be perfect and it's not because of the fall. So he's going to use this as a, as a perfect example here. When a woman is in labor, she has sorrow, but because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that that child has been born into the world. Now, for those of you who have been in the room when your wife has given a baby, you know, I get to be there for my two girls to be born. Um, or if you've delivered a baby, and there's some people in this room who've delivered kids, some stateside, some in other countries, um, you can see this. You can see this joy. You can see something, and because I've never been on the other end, but I would assume for, because we have women in here who have delivered babies, you'll understand this when I explain it. Childbirth is painful and it's emotional. There can be lots of tears. There can be lots of crying in pain for some of you, even accusations that it's all your fault, right? But as soon as the baby is handed to the mother, there's immediate joy that comes over her. There's an immediate sense that when you get handed your child, that there's happiness. The child is healthy. The child is happy. The child has 
breathing. The child is warm. I brought a new life into the world. That whole feeling of this brand new baby is mine. It's been in me for all of these months and now it is here and I don't have to deal with the things of walking around pregnant anymore and the pain of the childbirth has subsided. And not that you're not going to remember that it hurt, but the reality is it brings you happiness in your arms, healthy, happy, and full of joy. So we can see that even from the words of Jesus, joy can mean happiness. It can mean an emotional response. Now, I don't want to set aside the fact that everybody here is dealing with some junk, with some stuff, and in the world, people deal with things, bless you. And I don't want to set aside that we deal with tribulation because we do. And in some places of the world, they deal with really bad, bad tribulation. But we also need to realize that we live in a fallen world where there will be things we cannot control. But I think, Christians, we need to learn how to focus. When we talk about joy, what are we focused on? We need to fix our eyes on the hope that is Jesus Christ. And we need to allow that to give us the joy that we need to carry on, the happiness that we need to carry on, knowing that we're saved. Listen to this, Proverbs 17, there's this fantastic lesson about people and what their focus is. If you read Psalm 17, it's a little bit of one of the longer Psalms, but it really just deals with how bad people are, right? It just deals with how bad people are. Through the 28 verses, it's this lesson that shows how much strife is dug up by how bad people are and what they focus on, their contentiousness, their revelry, their rebellion, their foolishness, and their wickedness. And in the midst of this very tough lesson in verse 22, we read this one verse. In verse 22 from Psalm Proverbs 17, it says, A glad heart, or joyful heart, same word, a glad heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So it's like, what are you focused on? Are you focusing on your revelry? Are you focusing on being rebellion? Are you focusing on stirring the pot at work? Are you focusing on stirring the pot at home? Are you focusing on the things that are good in your life, in your job, with your wife, with your kids, whatever it is? Are you pleased with what you have? Are you constantly looking for the edge, the crack, the break, the stuff that's bad? Because you can find stuff that's bad, You know, you can find stuff that's bad in everything, right? You can be at the best possible concert in the world with free food and the best music, and you'll complain the seats aren't comfortable enough, right? Oh, I can tell it's 72 degrees in here and not 71. You know, it could just, it'll be something you can always find. But are you focused on the things in your life that are good? Are you focused on the things that make you glad, the things that you should be joyful for? Are you the kind of person that sees the negative in everything? Are you the contentious one? Do you only see negative in your spouse? This is a difficult one if you've been married more than about five years, right? If you've been married more than five years, it's pretty easy to find something negative about your spouse. I just ask my wife. She'll write you a list. But, but is that like what? What did you laugh at? What? I didn't ask for the kids, just the spouses. But... The reality is we can just focus on the negative stuff in our marriage. Or are you happy that you are married to someone who is faithful to you, who loves you, who spends their time with you, who cares for you, who's raising children with you in Christ? Do you only look to correct your kids instead of lifting them up? You know, this is tough when you're bringing up kids who are a bunch of little animals. I've been there. At some point, they're all little animals. 
And it's hard not to be that disciplinarian who's just like, ah, you're doing everything wrong. I'm going to correct you and I'm going to stop you and everything. Or are you just guiding them and teaching them in love? Do you only see how sinful other people are that are around you Christian? Because that's a tough one, right? Because what is one of the things the world hates about the church is, look at those hypocrites, they're always judging us. Now, I'll be the first person to tell you, I'll tell somebody if they're living a sinful lifestyle. I'm okay with it. But you got to remember, you got to do it lovingly. You can't do it because you're right. You can't do it because you're finding sin in them, and that's what you're looking for. Remember, the joyful side of that is you should be seeing an opportunity for somebody to be saved. And that's why we share the gospel. So what if, as a church, instead of always seeing how bad the world is at doing everything, we saw the joy that could be felt in a soul that's won over by love? That's the perspective change. And if you can't seem to find any joy in anything in this particular moment, in this particular time... Maybe you need to sing to yourself that famous little children's song from Psalm 118.24. These kids probably know it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you can't find anything else to be joyful for, you don't deserve today. God made it for you. To glorify him, you should be joyful in that. Be glad in it. So Christians, can we not find some joy to sing about in the hope that is Jesus Christ? Can we not find joy in sharing his love with our kids? Can we not find some joy in lifting up our voices? All in one accord to the God that brings us together to fellowship in his holy name. I think we can. I think if we change our focus, we can find that, right? And I can't help but wonder what joy we could all experience um, that for us as a church, as a family who've grown close to one another over the last couple of years, that as we continue to meet together, that you invite somebody, you bring somebody in, you share the gospel with them, you get them here, and that person gets to see how we love one another. Because that's, that's what Jesus says. That's how the world will know who we are, because they see how we love one another, right? And that's straight from the word of God. And through the sharing of God's word, through the reading of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit would soften their heart, cut them to the quick, and save him by his grace. In that, we should be able to find joy. Imagine the joy, imagine the happiness we could share in to see more added to his kingdom. And through our fellowship, through his divine and sovereign work, God has allowed us to take part in reaching these people for the gospel, right? So for this week, this is homework. I know it's Christmas week. Everybody's got stuff to do. You got shopping to do. You got wrapping to do. People get traveling. They got all kinds of stuff to do, but you're not leaving here without homework. This is your homework. Okay? You got to do it. There's, I'm laying it on you. I'm holding you accountable. This is homework. It's a non-negotiable. Everybody's going to get quizzed on it. I want this verse that we covered here. This verse, Romans 15, 13, to be something that you meditate on every single day, once a day. Once a day, Romans 15, 13, meditate on this verse. And while you're dealing with the stress of work, of life, of loss, of a close family member, of sickness, of financial stress, whatever it is you're dealing with, I want you to meditate on this particular verse, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this is the thing. I want you all, and through your repeated reading and pondering of this particular verse, to really set it on your heart this week that you need to be filled with joy. To be filled with the joy that only Christ gives. Knowing that as we celebrate the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he, remember this, that he came for you. He came for you. We're celebrating Christmas. So we're celebrating God coming for us. He came for you that he may save you. Wherever you were before you were saved, wherever you are right now, whatever you've done in your past that you don't think he can save you from, he came for you. He came for you. Find your joy in that. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So this season and this week, I want you to remember to be filled with joy. Father God, we are thankful for you this week. And we had asked that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would fill us all with peace and with joy. We ask these things, Father, in the name of our precious and holy Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.